0: And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Well, Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I have entered your house. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. Amen. Amen. If you are visiting with us this morning, let me say welcome to you. So glad that um, you would come and fellowship here with us here at East Point Church. So glad the Lord would give us an opportunity to meet you and and greet you and pray somehow to encourage you to point you to Christ and that you would be reminded that Christ is your help and Christ is your hope this morning. So while you're with us, if there's anything that we could do, any question that we can answer while you're with us, please do not hesitate to ask and to reach out to us in some way. We pray it'd be our service to our our privilege to help you in any way that we possibly can. Amen. Amen, East Point Church. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been going through a series of messages on... um, In Luke, on Jesus, his encounters with those he came to save. And we are again in chapter 7. In chapter 7, there's a a lot of encounters, important encounters, and none more important than the one that we will uh, meditate upon this day. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless us as we reflect upon his word this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would come by your spirit, Attend your word. May it be a fresh word. May we be reminded that it is a living word. May it quicken us where we need to be quickened. Indeed, Lord, may it remind us where we need to be reminded. That Jesus is all and in all. And seeing him, may he be a new savior to us. As we meditate together, be glorified, be magnified amongst your people. For your glory and for the sake of Christ, we ask all these things. Amen. Now, beloved, I think I am on safe ground. At least I feel quite confident this morning when I say that Jesus loved to eat. It seemed that he was always eating. Jesus never turned down a dinner invitation. He loved a party, and when there wasn't one, he was known to start one. An interesting thing about our Lord is that Jesus didn't discriminate. He ate with anyone. He ate at any time. He ate in the morning. He ate in the morning. By his own testimony, he loved spending time feasting. Feasting with people. All kinds of people. Just previous to our text this morning, Luke chapter 7 and verses 33 and 34. By his own testimony... Jesus said, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say he has a demon. And then Jesus says, but the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say here he is a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and the sinners. Why? Because Jesus ate all the time. And he ate with everyone. He ate with with those in high society. He ate with those in low society. He ate ate in their homes. He ate on the beach. He ate out in the fields. He ate by the campfire. He ate with the insiders. He ate with the outsiders. He ate with his friends. He ate with his foes. This was possible for Jesus to do because whether they were high society or low society, whether they were friend or whether they were foe, whether they were outsiders or insiders, as far as Jesus was concerned, they were all the same. They were all the same because they were all sinners in need of a Savior. And what we have this morning in our text is another supper with the Savior. Another one of these dramatic suppers in which Jesus sups with sinners and reminding us that sinners need to be saved. The text is a familiar one, beloved. Very familiar account. There I say most of us know it. It is a powerful and most memorable account. It is shared in all four of the Gospels. It is memorialized for time in C.C. Winans' song, the alabaster box. It is such a powerful and remarkable and memorable instance, and occurrence in our Lord's life that you almost hesitate to say too much about it because the text just speaks for itself. I mean, there's not a lot of explanation that needs to happen if you really just take some time to read it. It's clear what it is communicating. It is clear about Jesus and what it says about us. Like I said, I hesitate to say too much. text like this doesn't need much preaching, but it doesn't need but a little explanation. And so what I want to do this, this morning is just walk through it a little bit with you and just highlight a couple of application points for us this morning. They're not hard to see because the the text itself speaks so loudly, much louder than I can. Our text this morning begins in verse 36. Hope you have your Bible on, on some device. You need to look intently at these words this morning. Begins in verse 36, but we are told just previous to this that what Jesus had been doing is that he had been extolling the virtues of John the Baptist. As we saw last week, he he had been extolling the virtues of John the Baptist. He had been commending the ministry of John the Baptist as a prophet and a servant of God. And because Jesus had been commending... The ministry of John the Baptist, the people were impressed. They were growing in their impression of John. And this was especially true for those who had been baptized by John. But it was not true of the Pharisees. As Jesus was extolling the virtues of John, the Pharisees were there rejecting the ministry of John. And in rejecting the ministry of John, they were there also seeking, therefore, to undermine the ministry and the testimony of Jesus Christ as well. And yet, even though they were willing and seeking to undermine the the ministry and testimony of Jesus Christ, they were nonetheless, not afraid to trade on Jesus' popularity. Jesus was popular, growing in popularity with the people, and the Pharisees had no problem trying to get close to Jesus, trade on that popularity, and one of the ways that they traded on that popularity is that they invited Jesus to come to their homes. They invited Jesus to their home. They wanted Jesus to come by for a drink. They wanted Jesus to come by and have a meal. And you know what? Jesus was quick to go. Quick to go. Now, you would think that Jesus wouldn't eat with the Pharisees. And he did on several occasions, beloved, several occasions in their homes. And you would think this wouldn't be the case because they were enemies. They were his enemies. He knew what they thought about them. And yet Jesus was frequently in their homes, sharing their food, drinking their wine. And on this occasion in Luke 7, while Jesus is in the home of this Pharisee named Simon, sharing his food, drinking his wine, engaging in the conversation of the religious elite, while he ate with those who didn't consider themselves sinners, There came one in amongst them who knew herself to be a sinner. She comes into this home of this Pharisee named Simon, who had been apparently listening to Jesus, familiarizing himself with Jesus, and probably was curious, even more so, wanted to trade On Jesus' popularity, invited Jesus into his home to get a closer look at this Jesus fella. And while they were eating there, while they were eating, there came a woman into this house. Uninvited. We don't know her name, but we know her well. She's a woman with an alabaster box. And we are not the only ones who know her. Apparently, Simon knew her too. And apparently, probably, most of his guests knew her too. But the Bible describes her in just two terms. In verse 37, it says that she was a woman of the city, and she was a sinner. She was a woman of the city, and she was a sinner. Apparently, her reputation had preceded her she was known, probably, most likely, a woman of the street, or as the Crusaders would call it, the street life. Murph got that. The street life. She was one of those from low society, those on the fringe the sinners you know about, and pass by. But they don't get invited to polite society. They don't get invited to the barbecues. They don't get invited to the dinner. Her actions, when she did what she did, broke customs. It broke all manner of decorum. She came into a Pharisee's house, uninvited, And she began to fawn, fawning over the Pharisee's chief guest, in front of all the other guests. She came in and made her way to the feet of Jesus. And making her way to the feet of Jesus, she let her hair down. And in letting her hair down, the Bible says that she began to cry. And she cried. And her tears fell upon the feet of Jesus. And as her tears were falling upon the master's feet, the Bible says that with her hair, she begins to wipe the tears from his feet, and then she begins to kiss his feet, and kiss his feet, and kiss his feet. And then, with the best and most expensive perfume she could afford, she empties her alabaster box, And she begins to pour the perfume upon our master's feet, anointing him with the best that she had to offer. Beloved, this was an uncommon, this was an unpredictable display of love Affection, and honor. This took everybody back. Hush, as C.C. Wine would sing. The room grew still. There was a hush in that place. And Simon the Pharisee, looking at these occurrences, no doubt was indignant, maybe even a little livid, but no doubt quite disgusted. Disgusted at her actions. This was his home, this is the place where his kids play. Where his wife serves dinner. This is his home. And even more than that, this was his guest. This was his guest of honor. How could she do this? How could she embarrass him like that? Where was her own self? And yet... As much as that probably bothered him, what probably disgusted him even more was how unimpressive was Jesus' response. He was taken back by the fact that Jesus allowed this to continue. And then began to question question who Jesus really is. Whether or not he was truly the man of God that he claimed to be. Whether or not he was truly the prophet that people were proclaiming him to be. Whether or not he really knew what he claimed to know. You see, Simon thought that Jesus didn't know this woman. He thought that Jesus didn't know who she was or what she had done. But, beloved, it is clear that Jesus knew her well. And he not only knew her well, but he knew her thoughts and he knew her intents. But he not only knew her thoughts and knew her intents, but Jesus knew Simon. And he knew his thoughts, and he knew his intent. And so in verse 40, knowing the trouble that Simon has in his mind and on his heart, Jesus said to Simon, I know what you're thinking. So Simon, I have something to tell you. And Jesus told him a parable. He says, There's two people. There's two debts. One owed about $500 and the other owed about $5,000. Now, neither had the means to repay. And out of the generosity and the grace of their creditor, both. Men had their debts forgiven. And Jesus says, Now I ask you a question. Who do you think appreciated it more? And Simon replied, verse 43 Well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus told Simon, You're right. You're right. Now I want you to look at this woman. You think you know her, but you don't. You don't know her any more than you know me. And, beloved, here is Jesus teaching Simon important spiritual truths, And not only teaching Simon, but teaching all who has ears to hear important truths. There are spiritual pitfalls that we are all subject to. And we must constantly be on guard against. And if you listen this morning, you will hear the lesson. The lesson for Simon. And the lesson for this woman. But first, there's a lesson for Simon. There's a lesson for us all. And it's clear, beloved. Beloved. And that is to beware of spiritual self-righteousness. There is a religious and spiritual arrogance with which we are all susceptible to if we are not diligent and spiritually self-aware. Listen to me this morning. There is a spiritual arrogance that we are all susceptible to if we are not diligent and spiritually self-aware, spiritually self-aware, and it manifests itself in two ways, two ways. And the first one is when you think someone else's sin is worse than your own. If you are not spiritually self aware, you will begin to think that someone else's sin is worse than yours. Simon looked at this woman and considered her business of sin more contemptible to God than his. We do this because we like to regard some sins, Jerry Bridges has called them in his book, respectable sins. You know, pride, anger, jealousy, gossip, impatience. Now, beloved, don't get me wrong. Obviously, not all sin have the same consequences in our lives. Okay. Some sins are going to cause us more damage in our lives than the other sins will. But while all sins don't have the same consequence in our lives, all of them, as far as God is concerned, have the same cost. They all have the same cost. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, we are reminded that all sin is worthy of death. All sin brings separation. And so what we tend to do when we are not self-aware is that we like to categorize sin, and thus we categorize people. Some believe some sin is worse than others, and therefore so too are some people. Racism, homosexuality, prostitution, voting Democrat, (laughs) voting Republican, depending on the sin of the day. The Bible is clear, beloved, that we are all sinners. We are all sinners. This is what it means to be spiritually self aware that you are a sinner, that you have fallen short of God's glory, that we have all violated his will, that none of us has loved God as we ought to, nor our neighbor as ourself. And if, if the apostle Paul can call himself the worst of sinners, where does that leave you and me? Beloved, in the same place, it left this woman and Simon in need of a Savior. All sin, all sin, regardless of who or where or when, must be covered by the same blood. It may be different in who does it. It may be different when they did it, but it's all got to be covered by the same blood. And here is the remarkable truth, that it doesn't take more of Jesus' blood to save me than it does to save you. Jesus didn't have to die more times to save you than he did to save me. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 makes this clear. Jesus died once and for all to take away all sin. No matter how bad you think someone else's sin is, listen, we all need the same Jesus. We all have to come to the same cross. There's only one. There's only one. And it is incumbent upon us to always be spiritually self-aware. And never consider somebody else's unrighteousness as more unrighteous than your own. There's another way in which this spiritual arrogance manifests itself. Is when you think you know Jesus better than anyone else. (laughs) When you think you know Jesus better than anyone. This was Simon's problem. But this is often our problem too. Simon thought he knew Jesus. That was the problem. He thought Jesus was just like him. He thought Jesus was just like them. This is often the case with the self-righteous and religious arrogant. Just because he was repulsed by this woman, he thought Jesus should be repulsed too. Just because he looked at this woman as unclean, he thought Jesus should look at her as unclean and worthy, unworthy too. reason this is, is because we think we know Jesus better than others, and what happens is that often makes us, in our own mind, the righteous arm of God's judgments. Yes. Yes. And so we believe in our responsibility. To judge who can come and who can't. But the problem with that, beloved, the problem with that is that we know too well the law of God, but we know too little the love of God. We know too well God's truth, but we know too little of his grace. I am saddened, often saddened, beloved. By people who feel that they can't come to church or they can't come back to church without people preaching at them about where they have been or what they have been doing. This woman knew who she was. This woman knew who Jesus was. This woman knew that Jesus knew who she was. And Jesus didn't need Simon's commentary on her. He doesn't need your commentary either. He doesn't need our commentary on others. This woman didn't come to Simon's house looking for Simon. She came to Simon's house looking for Jesus. I got news for you this morning. When people come to church, they probably didn't come looking for you. They came probably looking for Jesus. Why can't we just let them find him? They don't need your commentary. Welcome them. Appreciate the fact that they are in our presence. Can't we just rejoice that Jesus is doing something to them and through them? Can't we just rejoice that Jesus is doing something in them to win them? Can't that be good enough? This is the lesson. This is the lesson for Simon. This is the lesson for us this morning. Beware, beware, beware. Of the spiritual arrogance of not being spiritually self-aware. But there is also a lesson from this woman this morning and listen to this don't let your sin or your shame keep you from the savior don't let your sin or your shame keep you from the savior she knew herself a sinner's others knew it too beloved Everybody in there, to some degree or another, probably knew who she was, knew where she had come from. But she herself knew, and that didn't stop her from coming to Jesus. Listen, it wasn't easy walking into that house. You think it was? You better think again, beloved. It wasn't easy. Everyone in there was buttoned up. Everyone in there looking good. Everyone in there on their best behavior. Fine clothes. Fine food. Fine families. She walks in that place and she is out of place. She stuck out like a sore thumb. This was not her crowd. Simon was not her people. But remember, beloved, she didn't come looking for Simon. She came looking for Jesus. This is important to always remember, beloved. It is not always easy for people to walk up into the church. Why is that? Because everybody in there all buttoned up. Everyone is on their best behavior. Everyone is looking good. Everyone is smelling good all the fine families, all the kids lined up in a row. (laughs) And if you come in and don't look like them, you might find yourself feeling the rejection, the outside, the unwelcome. You might find yourself the one being glared at and looked at. whispered about. But listen to the testimony of this woman this morning. And she will tell you, don't let your sin or your shame or what others think about you (laughs) keep you from the Savior. Others may not want you, but he will. Others may not forgive you, but he will. Others may not love you, but he will. Others may condemn you, but he won't. Others may reject you, but he won't. Jesus is not a rejecting Savior. Jesus is an accepting Savior. The Bible tells us clearly that Jesus says that all those who come to him will in no way be rejected. No No one will be rejected. Why? Because Jesus came to give life, not take it. Jesus came to give love and not hate. Jesus came to forgive and not condemn. That's why he's here. John 3 and 17 reminds us, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But why did he send him? In order that the world might be saved through him. Listen, beloved, this woman is reminding us that you don't have to get right to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and watch him get you right. That's why we sing, let not conscience make you linger, nor fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is that you feel and sense your need of him. That's what moved her. She needed Jesus. And that trumped everything else. She needed Jesus. There's a final lesson. There's a final lesson here. And that is the lesson that Jesus gives to Simon and all those in the house. There's a lesson from Simon. There's a lesson from this woman. And then there's a lesson from Jesus. In verse 44, then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Look and behold the witness of her worship. Look, Simon, let her worship bear witness to this truth. Beloved, I am convinced, I am convinced that this woman came into Simon's house not to be forgiven, but because she had been forgiven. This is so good. Because she had experienced the greatness of God's grace. She had already, at some other point, heard Jesus. She had heard him. She had seen him. She had listened to him before. She had looked into his eyes on another occasion. She had been touched by his love. She had already begun to be healed by his grace. She came there not to ask for forgiveness, but to express the forgiveness that she had already received. And Jesus says to Simon, look at her. Look at her. She knows what you don't know because she did what you didn't do. You didn't kiss my feet. But she has not, since the moment she walked in, ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't give me water to wash with, but she has given me her tears. You didn't even give me your cheapest oil, but she had poured upon me her most expensive perfume. You, Simon, gave me nothing, but she has come in here to give me everything. You know what the problem was, beloved? Jesus explains. Simon thought little of the Savior because Simon thought little of his sin. When you think little of your sin, you will think little of God's grace. Great sinners appreciate great mercy. And great sinners show great kindness because they have been loved by a great God. Great sinners worship greatly because they know that they have someone great to worship. And like this woman, they enter God's presence with worship and they enter his courts with praise. She didn't tell, listen, beloved, she didn't burst in there to tell Simon that Jesus was worthy. She burst in there to show Simon that Jesus was worthy. Let your worship be your witness. Your worship demonstrates how great God's mercy Your worship demonstrates how great has been the forgiveness. The reason Paul could call himself the greatest of sinners is because he had experienced the greatness of mercy. Beloved, it is only those who know how their sin is great Do they know how great is their Savior? That's what moved her. That was her witness. That was her worship. Her dedication was seen in her devotion. And in her worship, the Savior blessed her and gave her the most blessed assurance of all. Your sins are forgiven. That's all you want to know, isn't it, beloved? That's all you want to hear. How oh, if I can just hear the Savior again, remind me anew, Tony? Your sins are forgiven. No, I'm talking about the one, Lord. I'm talking about the ones that happened last night, Tony. Just, I'm talking about the ones this morning, the ones on the way. Tony, your sins are forgiven. People want to ask from time to time, why do you have communion every Sunday at East Point Church? It's because I need blessed assurance. I want to hear Jesus say to me every Sunday, your sins are forgiven. There are no more. By my blood, they have been covered. I have paid for them all. You're forgiven. You are forgiven, beloved. You are forgiven. I don't know if there's a more blessed word that you can hear this morning. You are forgiven. Whoever you are, where have you gone? You can sing. You can worship and sing with this woman. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a forte. Fine, Because she's an heir of salvation. She was purchased by God. She was born of his spirit. And you know what? She was washed in his love. So now this becomes her story. This becomes her song. Doing what? Praising the Lord Jesus all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. All the day long. Let your worship be your witness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful testimony of our sister that you have ordained would be a testimony that rings through the ages that wherever the gospel is proclaimed, there her testimony would be. Reminding all your people and all the saints that our sins are forgiven. Let this be our story. Let this be our song. May we give praise and thanksgiving to Jesus all the day long. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Our time to come to the Lord's table once again is our delight and desire to come to the table and remind ourselves that there is much to give thanks for. We give thanks because He has reminded us that our sins are forgiven. That is by His body broken and His blood shed. That all our sins are forgiven. Whatever sin we think, great or small, Yesterday, today, or tomorrow, we come to the table and we're reminded that all is forgiven. All those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ have come to him by faith. He says, come to the table. Be reminded, be renewed, and be once again assured that you are his and he is yours forever. But if you're here this morning and you are not trusting the Lord Jesus Christ under salvation, you have not come to him by way of faith and repentance. Then I want to caution you and say that this table is not for you. And I want to encourage you not to receive these elements. But I do want to encourage you to receive Jesus. not only is he willing, but he is able to save all those who call upon his name. And you can be saved right where you are this morning. He will save you if you call upon him. Acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in need of a savior. And he not only saves, but he grants the assurance of that salvation now and forever. I want to pray for us as we come to the table. I want to pray. If there's no one here who doesn't know the Lord Jesus and the pardon of their sin, if anyone needs to know him, then now would be the time. And today would be the day. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would search hearts this morning. If there's anyone here, Lord, who has never confessed the faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, would today be the day Grant them the faith. Grant them the words. Bless them with the conviction of soul. May your love envelop them this morning. May they call upon the name of Jesus. Might they be saved today. Lord, we know that you are able to do all this and more. We pray that you would be willing. Do it for your glory. Do it for the good of your people. And as we come to the table, Lord, we ask that you would bless us once again. May your grace be renewed in our lives, reminding us that we are forgiven, that it is well with our soul. Come now, bread of heaven, take us to heaven, and there feed us till we want no more. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to the table this morning, if you are going to partake of it with us, just a couple of announcements for the visitors. Uh, When you come forward, you will notice that there are three options on the table. There is a grape juice option, a wine option, and also a gluten-free option if you so desire. We do ask that once you come forward and receive the elements that you hold on to them until everyone is served, and then once everyone is served back at your seat, then we will partake of the Lord's table together. Okay, we want to do it in an orderly fashion. We want to on the row that is furthest to the back against the wall. If you would stand and make your way to aisle and come down the outside aisle and receive the element and then return back to your seat through the middle aisle. And once the aisle behind you has been let out, then you can proceed on behind them. So let's stand on the back aisle and receive our Lord's table this morning. Come. Amen. Amen. Has everyone been served this morning who desires to receive our Lord's table? Did we, did we miss anyone? Hey, if you would open the bottom of the cup and take out the wafer, the Bible tells us that on the evening that our Lord was betrayed, He gathered with His disciples in the upper room, and as they shared bread, and He broke it, and He told them that this bread represented His body, which is given. Let's eat it together. i hope you opening your cups. The Bible says that then Jesus took the cup and he told his disciples that this cup represents his blood, which is shed for the remission of our sins. Let's drink it together. Heavenly Father, we thank you That in Christ, all our sin is forgiven. We thank you for that blessed assurance this morning. In his name we pray. Amen.
2: Hello, and happy Sunday. Hey. Uh, My name is Audra, and we are so glad that you guys are all here with us today. Uh, For our new visitors, we hope that you received a visitor bag. Uh, If you would, please fill out the little card in that bag and drop it in the offering box right outside the sanctuary doors. Um, If you didn't receive a visitor bag, please pick one up at that resource desk out there right after the service. Or you can also fill out a card online using the QR code on the screen behind me. Uh, If you have an offering with you today, you can put that in the box outside the sanctuary as well, Um, or you can give online and through your mobile phone, and you can see the screen for details on how to do that. Um, For our special announcements, so next Sunday, we are celebrating our church's 15th anniversary. Um, Yeah. All right now. So we're going to have a time of celebrating and praising God for his faithfulness from 2.30 to 5.30 at the Legacy Center in East Point. If you are planning on attending, um, we need you to sign up by today. So you can do that on the EPC app or at the welcome desk in the lobby, but please RSVP, especially if you want to eat. Uh, EPC members, (laughs) please stay after the service today for a church meeting These meetings happen twice a year, and they provide important information and updates um, to our membership. So uh, if you are a kid and you want to stick around, snacks and a video will be available upstairs in Classroom D. Um, Also, it just doesn't end. It keeps going today. This evening at 5 p.m., we also have a monthly evening worship service tonight. So come on back. Uh, Join us for this additional time of worship tonight. Um, we have a work day coming up. Uh, mark your calendars for our next church work day on Saturday, April 1st. This will be from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, just come and lend a hand as we tackle some much needed projects for our building and grounds. And guess what? All skill levels are welcome. <laughs> Nothing should hinder you. Come on. Uh, Easter is also coming up soon. Uh, And we hope that you'll join us that weekend. We have a few um, different events going on, so um, jump in for any and all. Um, Our Good Friday service will be at 7.30 on April 7th, uh, if you want to come for this. And kids, our Easter egg hunt is April 8th at 10.30, so that'll be a good time. We hope to invite the community to this event as well. And we need lots of eggs and candy. So um, if you guys want to help make that happen and you want to bring your donations, you can drop those off in the basket in the church lobby. And please do that by April second, so we have time to prepare accordingly. Um, That's all for announcements. If you would like more information, you can visit our app or our website um, to find info about our weekly events and various ministries. Um, There are also free resources and information available at our resource desk. So we encourage you to stop by and visit there after the service for more. So now, if you'd like to stand for our doxology.
1: of our brother Lee Fowler to the Ministry of Elder and Overseer here at East Point Church. Let's continue to pray and give God thanks. Amen. Um, For the Fowler family and all the labors and work that the Lord has for them as we continue to strive to be faithful in the callings that he has given to us. Well, church, I pray that everyone will stay, all your members will stay around for the church meeting. It should be short, Um, I hear they've been trying to make these shorter and sweeter. So, amen that. Amen, amen. So, y'all give Pastor Phil your full attention uh, this afternoon. He's been working hard to get this done. Amen. (laughs) Let's pray. And upon us this morning, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good. That you are great that you are worthy to be praised. Thank you for moving in our midst by your spirit, convicting and comforting your people, opening our eyes and our hearts and our minds that we might behold and see and love Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sin, the promise of resurrection and eternal life and blissful joy in your presence forevermore. Now, church, receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. We pray in Jesus' name. Let the church say, amen. amen.